We're going to be in Acts chapter 9 this morning. And I'll have you stand a few moments, not quite yet. We are in a study of the book of Acts. Um, and so I really want to stay grounded there, but I am going to consider the day and really step out into brave territory and preach a Mother's Day message today. And, uh, and I love doing that. <clears throat> As most would well know. <laughs> you know, one of the most foundational and important virtues in the Word of God that we are supposed to possess and demonstrate from our heart is honor. Honor here means to give weight to, to consider something as weighty. When we are told to honor a parent, for example, that means we are to give them consideration and listen to what they say and, and, and show a measure of deference to them. So, honor means to give weight to, to show respect, to give consideration and appreciation for. Honor is something that really is at the root and core of our Christianity. You know, the beginning of wisdom is to fear God. And we can substitute the word fear for honor there if we want to and get the same sense of the meaning. It's also a cornerstone virtue in just culture. When a culture loses its ability to honor and respect authority, that culture is in trouble. And, um, and so, it's a very important virtue that we are possessed in our hearts. The Bible tells us we are to honor God, that we are to honor the King, that we are to honor our elders, that you and I are to honor and prefer one another in love. And of course, the Bible tells us that we are to honor our parents. Of course, in Exodus chapter 20, this uh, cornerstone of law given by God to the Israelites as they were about to become a new nation. This would be the, the center of really the, the new culture they would develop as a nation. Uh, God gives some laws here pertaining to Him and to one another that would govern their behavior as a nation. And the first and the highest most important law given uh, towards the horizontal relationship of man to man was that of honor. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, the Bible says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Evidently, uh, the, that a people, a nation, and a culture can only long endure if that society demonstrates an honor in the family, in the home. It's imperative that we learn and show respect for those who have lead, led us and, and, and guide us and, of course, have parented us. When we lose that respect, when we lose that weighty position of honoring others, uh, the Bible says that we really have no hope of long enduring. And that would be true uh, of a nation, maybe of a church, and our homes. When we lose honor, we can lose so much more as well. Well, today we are set aside this morning to honor our mothers. And today I'm taking a moment, as we are together as a church, I'm encouraging children today of all ages uh, to honor your mother. To remember the one whom God chose to give you life, and just as importantly, the one who gave life to you. I suppose and I speak biologically here, that most women um, can birth a child. But to be a good mom, well, that's a lifetime commitment. And that is an enduring act of love and sacrifice. 
and that's what we're going to consider today. And so I want to ask you to go ahead and stand with me as we read from the ninth chapter of Acts. We're, we're really almost there ourselves in our study. And so today, more of a topical thought uh, from this text. And we'll take our reading beginning in verse number 36 of this ninth chapter of the book of Acts. <clears throat> and the Bible says, Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas, one Greek, one Hebrew. Now this woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she, Tabitha, was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And forasmuch as Lydda was near or nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Well, then Peter arose and went with them. And when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber. And all the widows stood by him, weeping and showing the coats and the garments which Dorcas or Tabitha had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and he prayed. And turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints, the widows, he presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon a Tanner. Our Holy Father, I pray the next few moments, Lord, as we consider the life specifically of this lady, Tabitha, that, Lord, we, we, we could see what she did with her life. Lord, something that you commend, Lord, obviously, by recording your word for others to emulate and follow. And so, Lord, I, I pray that we would give effort to that, especially those here today who, who might be moms, and would ask for grace to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for standing. The larger context of the book of Acts, and maybe this particular section of the book of Acts, is really about Peter. Um, we have this interlude of verses here where Peter is really uh, rising uh, to a height of ministry and he's giving the gospel and sharing the gospel in the regions of Israel. And, and so in this ministry of Peter, as we see the, uh, the gospel really advancing beyond Jerusalem in, into the out regions of the larger nation, we are introduced to a woman of notable character and virtue. Now, this lady was both the recipient of grace, as we shall see and have read, but she was also someone who was a giver of God's grace in an incredible way. When the Word of God articulates the character of someone, um, there is no hyperbole involved in that. You know, if I'm talking about Dewey, I might embellish his character a little bit, but he doesn't need that embellishment. You know, he's, if I say he's a good guy, he's a good guy. But if God looks at someone and says, that's a good guy, well, that's something else altogether. Because God doesn't embellish what He says. There's no hyperbole involved in it. When God said this was a woman full of good works and alms deeds, of, of being good to people, that's who this lady really was. What an incredible testimony in her life, really said by you know, God Himself. And, and, and I find that fascinating. 
Well, the Bible setting more particularly is in this port city of Joppa. This is a port city in Israel. And there resided a disciple. This is the first time that word is used, referring to a lady in the New Testament. And her name was Tabitha. Now, the word means gazelle, and I believe it's a reference to gracefulness or, or someone filled with grace. And that's what this lady was. She was a graceful lady who gave grace uh, to others. And so, it was, it was really a, an appropriate name for her life. And this lady, the Bible tells us in verse 36, was full. And this word, again, is used deliberately. Something that she did good works. But here's a lady, a lady who gave her life and her energy, as we'll see in a moment, to doing good works. And the word means to abound, to be full of the quality, be occupied with. This lady was occupied in, in, in the majority of her life during doing something called ergon agnathos. It's the word effort or energy in the text, and the word good is agnathos. So what the Bible is saying is that this lady gave her full attention, all of her faculties and resources, to benefiting the lives of the people who are around her. That's what she was about. She was someone who was so touched by the Lord Jesus Christ and so appreciative of His grace and her future inheritance and reward with Him that she gave her life to doing what He did, and that was agnathos, that was doing good with all of her energy, energy for the sake of other people. And as I think about motherhood, I think it's an apt description of motherhood. Someone who gives their life, all their energy, all their faculties, all their resources to the benefit of someone else. When Tabitha um, was serving here, I, I don't know if she was a mother or not. It probably would have been reasonable to assume that she was. And at this point, she was probably a little more aged in life. But we know this, that the Bible tells us that in the course of time, Tabitha feel, fell ill. And as her health diminished, um, she, of course, in time, she passed away. But the Bible's really specific here to leave this idea. She left a vacuum in her absence. And I'm not just talking about the vacuum of a space where she may have stood. But when Tabitha died, she was so greatly mourned because of the vacuum of good works that she did. Uh, you know, it'd be like if we took the maybe the 10 greatest workers here at Eastland Baptist Church who contributed so much and since they were gone, we came back next Sunday, we would notice there'd be a vacuum. There'd be things that no longer were being done that were once done. And that's how this lady lives, how the Bible's trying to describe her. In verse number 37, her death is rehearsed. And of course, this unusual event of placing her in an upper chamber, we may, we not, may not think about that, but that was not the regular course of events. When someone died, their body would have been washed ceremonially, as the text says. But then they were pretty rapidly moved to a gravesite, to a place where they would have been kept. But in this case, this lady is something different done with her. And I can't tell you exactly why. The Bible doesn't tell us. But we do see some things associated together. They took her to the upper room. Now, you've got to think, this lady has passed away. And at the same time, they go and summon Peter. So evidently, this was a great act of faith on this early church. They, they knew that Peter was nearby. They had uh, maybe knew firsthand, of course, maybe they had maybe been led to the Lord by the disciples. Um, but they believed that it was possible that perhaps if Peter came and prayed, that she could be raised to life. And, and so that's maybe why they kept her in this chamber. We don't know for sure. Uh, Peter, uh, Peter was probably about 10 miles away. Uh, and it, it could have been a little further than that. I, I know it had been a, a full day's journey by foot. 
for him to get there. And two men were sent from Joppa to summon Peter. And we know this, that Peter agreed to come. Now, again, that's a little bit remarkable because uh, Peter was in the midst of, of a rising ministry. There was needs all around him. There were, there were the people who needed to be uh, helped and ministered to. There were the, the lame and the sick that he was healing. He was probably thronged by people. And in the midst of all that activity, he is told that a lady has recently passed in Joppa. And I'm going to make this assumption. The fame of, of Tabitha was probably so great that Peter thought That's, that merits my time. And maybe it was just the Lord working in everyone's heart together to accomplish this miracle. But I think maybe Peter knew her and he stopped everything that he was doing to go see. And I believe to pray that this lady may receive her life again. And um, of course, we know that's exactly what happened. Um, Peter goes to Joppa and he sees the work of Tabitha. Now, when I say he sees the work of Tabitha, he, Tabitha's obviously passed, but he sees there this uh, assembly of people. And, and the Bible's indicated a great number of widows, and I'm sure there's others there, who are mourning over this lady. And, and they, they begin to show Peter, hey, look what she made for me. Look what, 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 what she did for me. Now, I don't know what kind of time sewing takes to make clothes and garments, but the Bible is indicating that all these ladies had this. I mean, this was Agnathos Ergon, incredible energy given for the people. And Peter saw this great work that she had done. The presence of each witness and the clothes they were wearing is a testament of the kind of lady that Tabitha was. And then this moment of hand in glove faith joining faith on the part of the people, on the part of Peter. Peter prays and Tabitha was raised back to life and an incredible miracle was performed. And of course, we know the gospel is advanced because of this notable miracle. And Tabitha, of course, re regains her life and she is restored. But so too was the void of work that she would have left behind. And that's really what I want to use as an exhortation today, is that, that work that Tabitha did that is commended in the Word of God. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, this would be a verse that have, you know, applicable for all of us. The Bible tells us as Christians to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. Now in that verse, the word vocation implies our salvation. That you and I as Christians ought to work worthy of that vocation, of that calling. You know, I'm, I'm a pastor and I've been a coach and I've been a teacher and, and all you have titles in your place of employment and we're moms and dads, but our greatest title, our greatest vocation, our greatest calling is that of Christian. That is the number one label we should wear. And in that, with that label, with that identification, we are to walk worthily. We are to work mindfully of that calling. We are to give our best, uh, whatever our hands find to do, we are to do with all of our might for the Lord. But I think in, a, in, a, in a, another application, all of us are to walk worthily in all the vocations or the areas of responsibility that we are given. And for today, I think it is especially true in the vocation of motherhood. As a mother, you ought to walk worthy of that calling. It is a calling. Um, it's, it's a calling none of us men want to do, I can assure you. 
It's, it's, it's a high calling. It's a great calling. You know, being a parent is one of the greatest responsibilities, one of the greatest blessings of life. But man, with, with that responsibility of overseeing someone else's life, a life given by God, there is a great calling that goes with that, a great responsibility. As Laura's saying, we are to lead them to Jesus. We're to raise them for the Lord. We're to produce a godly seed. Perhaps in no greater area of life is a woman called to walk worthily as as being that vocation of a mother. Now, you think about motherhood. There is no other relationship in life so intimate between two people as a mother and a child. A child coming forth from her. When a child is born, little uh, chemicals are released in the body, oxytocin. And these are the bonding chemicals that God uses between a husband and a wife. But even in a more special pronounced way, when a mother births a child, the chemicals released in the mother to bond the child, I'm telling you physiologically, not just spiritually, there is probably no greater relationship between any two human beings in the world than a mother and a child. It is special. It is intimate. It, it, is, it is one of the world's greatest areas of influence. You know, you and I, um, we, we come to church, and I have an idea who you are, and you have an idea who I am, and that's because of the time we spend together. And, and, you know, I hate to say this, but we, we can all put on a good face a little bit, you know, um, and I, I can act my best towards you, and I, I would want to do that. I hope that's not phony, but I, I need to do what I can. But, you know, there's no hiding for a mom. It's 24-7. Who she is is who she is. And a child sees that every day, all day, every week, every month, every year, for decades. I mean, that's, that is an incredible responsibility and calling. Our children are the objects of our greatest influence. Who you are and how you behave, how you talk, how you speak, your spirit, all of these affect the child in an incredible way. You are the primary shaper of a heart. Now just think about that for a moment. You know, as a pastor, I have, some, I have a measure of influence on you because you choose to listen to me speak today. But you're going to listen to me speak about 34 minutes today, <clears throat> give or take a minute. Um, and it's usually give. <laughs> But a mom's influence, it's all time. And you're shaping a life. And honestly, it's not even your life. It's the life that God gave to someone. You are stewarding uh, another eternal soul for God. Man, that's, that's what a blessing. But that's a great truth we need to consider and today, I just want to ask you to think about that. Not negatively, but positively. This word is not used in the text, but the idea is there that Tabitha left a legacy. A legacy. Now, the word legacy really just means gift. And it's a gift that we leave that influences and affects someone primarily after we're gone. So maybe I'd use the idea of a legacy gift. So a legacy gift is one usually so large, so impactful, that after the person passes away, that the gift keeps on giving in a way. You know, as members of Beeson Baptist Church this morning, everyone, who, everyone who's a giver here, you're actually kind of a legacy giver. 
Because, you know, if we're giving today and this church continues, the Lord blesses, you know, one day, you know, we're not going to be here, but other people will be, you know. And, um, and, and so we, we, we give. We, we're, we're allowing someone else to continue on in something that is important. And Tabitha left a legacy, a gift of such great magnitude that it continued past her death. The idea is captured in Proverbs 13, 22, and I've preached this text before. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. And the idea of inheritance here isn't primarily material wealth, but that means he deposited a good name in them. He deposited a good worth ethic in them. He, he deposited a, a, a good character. And that character was passed from him to the children of the children and then their children. And that's a very biblical idea, that you and I are to deliberately leave a legacy in the lives of other people. And we need to consider that responsibility. And today the idea is for moms to consider that legacy. Just as Tabitha did, moms, your day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year interaction and behavior toward your child is your greatest legacy. Now, it is not your only legacy. There's all kinds of other work that can be done. And there's other titles you will have. There are other, there are other super important ministries you could have as a teacher or a mentor or a helper or a coach. So many things, just as a friend. But I, I'm going to suggest to you that your greatest legacy will be deposited into the hearts of your children. And then a part of you is going to be passed from them to their children and then to their children. It's something I think we ought to be in time rejoice over. And, and, and it would be awful if we had to regret that legacy. In the text, Tabitha was mourned greatly. She was known by the city. She was a generous depositor of good in the lives of other people. She, she was this phrase I use, ergon agnathos, an energetic force for good. She was deliberate. She was intentional. This week, um, the weather was really pretty, and we got on a ship in Florida, and we went all the way down towards Venezuela, and we ended, I think, far south as, as Aruba. And, uh, and Sarah and I, so, you know, we walked around the ship a lot. It's not been a cruise ship. There's a top deck, and you can go in giant circles, and, uh, and you just watch the ocean go by. It's beautiful. But my favorite place um, isn't so much, you know, the going forward part, but it's the going back part. And if you've ever been at the top of a cruise ship on that back deck, you see the wake of the ship. And you've, you've been on a lake, you've seen the wake of a boat. Everybody knows what a wake is, right? But really, what just amazes me about the wake of a cruise ship, they're, they're such large vessels, the propellers you know, are so powerful, that the wake just goes on for mile after mile after mile. And the water's a brighter blue. It's oxygenated because the propeller's spinning like this. And so it's, it's, you know, it's a brighter blue than all the surrounding water. It's calmer because the ship has been there. But here's the thing. I don't know how far I can see out in the horizon, but as far as I can see, I can see the wake. What is the wake? It is the evidence that the ship was once there. And your child's heart is evidence that you have been there that will live on way past the moment. Today is May 14th, I think. Is that right? Okay, I'm confused. I'm not sure. <laughs> I didn't keep track of time when I was gone. Tomorrow will be May 15th. And tomorrow, you know, you've passed through this day. And you need to consider what's in the wake of your life. We all do. 
It's not just for moms. Every one of us need to consider what's in the wake in the past of our life, because it remains. In the book of Revelation, it says that their works do follow them. You know, there's this idea of legacy, that you know, even when we've gone to heaven, that our effect on earth isn't done at that moment. That the life I've touched will touch a life, will touch a love, touch a love, to, the, a life. to this day, we're still reading about Peter. He's accumulating reward for a life lived over 2,000 years ago. And your legacy is going to live on in the heart of your child. We're all depositing helpful, hurtful something in the lives of others. And the question today is, and I, I want this to be positive, because we have days ahead of us. What will your legacy be? Tabitha, what was her legacy? It was grateful hearts who evidenced in this mournful display of gratefully telling Peter, look what she's done for us. Her, her legacy is so great that men, even after she had passed, felt that if there's any hope that she could be raised, we're going to give extreme effort to see this happen. I mean, that was her legacy. She was an energy giver, not an energy taker. She gave love and life. She didn't steal it. She was a help, not a hurt. She influenced people for, for good, not for evil. She made people stronger, not weaker. And that's what we do as parents. It's what you do as moms. You know, it, and it's, it's important to provide material for your kids. You know, I was so thankful for garage sales and hand-me-downs because providing for seven kids clothes was, was a challenge. But, you know, that was something Terry and I did. And we, 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 we took care of clothes. We, we, we bought them the necessities of life. And we're still buying them food um, and, uh, and toys and But all those clothes, I don't know where they're at now. They're either wore out or they're on your kids. I don't know, you know. <laughs> you got to love a church. I know the toys were all broken. We didn't pass those on. Those are all gone. <laughs> it could be a trash heap somewhere. But the memories of a hiking trail in Colorado live on. And the talks live on. And the time lives on. And all the pauses in the heart, those live on. More important than what you give them materially is what you deposit in them spiritually, emotionally, with love. Love and goodness, example, a good spirit, kindness in the home, a home of peace. Those are so eminently important. These are your greatest enduring legacies. These are the things that make the difference. Again, in five years, all material possessions won't mean anything but who you are in them will live on. You know, one day Tabitha did die. And she was placed in the ground. And her legacy or epitaph, the thing that we might inscribe on a tombstone, was written by God. Listen to this. This woman was full of good works and almsgiving. Almsgiving, giving to the poor, helping the needy. Wow. Wow. That's written by God. Yeah, this is the way I think. What sentence would encapsulate my life? And what sentence would encapsulate yours? Now, I, I, to make this applicable, I try to narrow that down. What sentence would have encapsulated my yesterday? Or what sentence would have encapsulated, you know, or distilled down last week? 
my influence, or last month, I've come along 20 years as pastor, what, what phrase would encapsulate? Well, that's easy. This is the best thing we've ever done. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's not a bad thought. Because you know what? If we have breath, we can, we can start rewriting that script or sentence if we don't like it. I love that. Was she fun, happy, godly? Um, we went on walks and talks. We have memories. Tabitha left a legacy, and she left a spirit. I, I don't know if good works and a good attitude can be and, you know, separated. I, I think they tend to go together. But the people and widows didn't mourn over her because the coats she made. They mourned her because they loved her, Tabitha loved them, because of the kind of person she was. You know, if I could give some advice today, if you ladies want to be a good mom, have a good spirit. We're all going to fail in a thousand areas of life. I, I wish I could give you the perfect parental formula. I didn't find it. You're not going to find it. But I tell you what, you'll help yourselves by a long shot if you can be happy, if you can have a good spirit, if you can be kind and gracious, if you can be enthusiastic, as the Bible says, if you can be full of the things that are right and good. It is really not productive to do everything right with a wrong spirit. And, and we spend too much time on the first one rather than the second one. Well, I, I know how to do this and how to do this. We, we figure out all these mechanics and all these principles. We do all these things and then we, our, our spirit's a little bit foul. You know, we're, we're not being the people we're trying to teach them to be. But if you can do a reasonably good job with a really good spirit, that's going to work out for you, I promise. That is always going to work out for you. If you can operate in the, in, in the, the what is commended in 1 Peter chapter 3, to have a sweet and gentle spirit, that'll be noticed by God and your children. You, it is a spirit, look, listen, it is a spirit that leads someone to Jesus. Right. Now, I know there's words there, that's, but, but it is the spirit of a mom that's probably going to lead a child to Jesus. It is the spirit of a parent that makes their children want to go to church. It is a spirit of a mom that makes her children honor authority. It is the spirit that makes them sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It is a spirit that allows them to have a forgiving heart. It is a spirit that allows them to see positive in other people, to become a, sub, a, a servant, loving others. Those things aren't just taught, they are caught by the spirit of the home. And that spirit and that legacy, I want you to notice this, that when they were absent, they were noticed. Noticed. When Tabitha's gone, people noticed. And I, I know that's obvious, but I mean more than just the void of a, a space. Tabitha did more than occupy space. She changed lives. Because of God's grace, you know, you and I, we lose someone. It's difficult, we'll never forget, but, but we, can, we can move on. But then I think, what is missed? I miss my mom's smile, because she always smiled. 
I miss her positivity. I miss her calling and checking on me all the time. I miss her advising me of every weather threat within 500 miles. <laughs> I don't know if Carol Hauser's here today, but Carol took so many phone calls from my mom, you know, making sure that we as a staff knew of impending weather alerts. <laughs> I miss the way she patted my hand. I miss the special, unique way that she loved me that no one else can. I still notice that she's gone. In our family, I, I think of Terry and what would be absent in our children's lives. What an incalculable void. I think of Fridays with the girls and all the grandchildren. Of Sunday lunch, of the phone calls, the family and text threads, of her prayers for each of them, her laugh, her smile, her energy, her passion for life, her love. She is our Tabitha. And here's the thing, you're somebody's Tabitha. And I mean, it's not even blood. You're somebody's hope. You're somebody's help. You're somebody's encouragement, or at least all of us need to be that. In this world, and people ought to notice when we're gone. Not for accolades for ourselves, but because the absence is good for them. And the Lord gives other people to step in in our absence. But the thought is this, everyone here should be that um, ergon agnathos for somebody. We need to fill that. I want to finish with this thought. As I look at this text, I read it, I get the information, and then I stop and I think, God remembered Tabitha. Uh, if I preach this another day in a different text, I'm going to focus a whole lot on, on Peter and what Peter's mission was. And the Bible could have said, and a lady was raised to life. But it doesn't say that. It gave her name. This lady's name was Tabitha. And she lived in Joppa. And she made a difference. And God just stops in the text about the advancing of the gospel and says, hey, here is a woman full of good works and almsgiving. So for the rest of us who aren't moms today, there's, a, there's an example here we are to follow. If when people do invest in our lives, when people give, and I'm going to submit and suggest today that no one gives more to us than moms and dads, today moms, that we should probably stop and recognize them. And we may not say, hey mom, you are full of good works and almsgiving. <laughs> I'm not sure that's in any cards we might give today. But you can say, I sure do love you and appreciate you. That can be our script today. You know, I want you to thank you for taking care of me, for loving me, for just, you know, being that role model for me. I, I think all of us, if not for a mom, have someone in our life who's helped us. I, I think today's a reminder, we, we owe people that. It's good for us, it's good for them. All right, so let me ask you to stand today.